0: Welcome to another episode of Revenue Champions with me, your host, Ryan Reisert. This week, we have a incredible guest. If you haven't seen him around the circles of sales development, sales leadership over the last decade, uh, I'm not sure where you've been spending your time, but we've had an opportunity to sit down with Kevin Dorsey, AKA KD, to talk about sales leadership, coaching, and all the lessons he learned uh, from his time over the last 10 years, getting to where he is at today. And you're going to be surprised at the answers that he provides upon his reflection around what he might do differently if he was to do it all over again. All right, welcome to another episode of Revenue Champions. Uh, today, I've got a, a guest who I met a couple of years ago now, I think. KD. I I think it's been a while. Uh, And if you've been on LinkedIn, you'll know him. Uh, But really excited to have a conversation because he is going to bring a really interesting perspective to our conversation today. Uh, Kevin Dorsey, or some people call him KD. Welcome to the show.
1: Dude, pump Pumped to be here, man. Long time, long time coming, right? To to connect again because every time we do connect, we come up with some juice, man. Like every single time. So it's almost like we gotta make it recurring and just see what happens.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to that. I wouldn't be opposed to that. We can have these conversations more often. Yeah. Um, so just for those who who may not know who you are, uh, do you mind sharing a little bit of a background on who is KD? Uh, where you coming from? What's your, what's your background a little bit? And then let's dive into the majority of this conversation, of course, on, on what you're working on today, but uh, just to give some perspectives for folks. Who's KD? What have you been doing all these years?
1: Oh, man. I mean, so who is KD is such a loaded question because I'm actually focusing a lot on who <laughs> I am right now. But you know, I am, I am a brother. I am a son. I am a husband. I am a father. I am a teacher. I am a coach. I am a, a leader. Um, and I really, you know, the last 10 ish, no, almost 12 years now I've been building, you know, startup sales teams. You know, I got into sales, um, in and out of college because I was like, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And one of my strengths, I believe is pattern recognition. And I noticed there were always sales jobs. So even if I wasn't good at it, at least I'd always have a job. Like I got into sales for like the opposite reason. Most people get in they're like, oh, for like the... The fame and the glory and the income. I was like, yo, even if I'm like bad at this shit, I'll at least always have a job because they'll hire salespeople all the time. So that's what got me into sales. And, you know, I've been working my way up and through, you know, since then. And, you know, I've got a couple good, you know, companies under the belt now. Um, I've built, Three orgs from you know zero you know low numbers to well over a hundred people getting to the hundreds and millions of dollars of ARR. So it's been a hell of a journey, man, and you know, but still, still learning, adapting, and growing as I go. And we'll see what the next ten years has in store for me.
0: <laughs> I love it. Just nonchalantly, you know, I have a couple of companies, you know, from zero to like a hundred million in in ARR, you know, in the l- lows to a hundred million, hundred people. So um, what you're saying is. <laughs> You have some experience doing some of this stuff. And um what I'm excited about today is we wanted to talk a little bit about um one, what are you up to now? Um mm-hmm. and and how does that relate to, to what you learned to get here? Uh and so what are you doing now? I know you're kind of rethinking things. You just came out of the um acquisition slash, you know, vesting schedule. You're on to your next kind of venture here, but What does this look like for you right now? This retrospective stays.
1: Yeah. So I mean, so right now, like literally right now, like my my dream, my focus, um, you know, one of my major goals over the next 12 to 18 months is I want to be the Peter Drucker of SaaS sales leadership. So for those of you like, you know, don't know who Peter Drucker is, you know, kind of like the, the father of modern management. He's written tons of books. He's like one of the original like OGs around like management, you know, coaching and training. And I want to try to do that for the SaaS industry because, you know, through my career is, you know, early in my career, I spent so much time focused on the sales training. Right. If I could train my people well on sales, then everything should solve itself. And then the longer you're in it, the more you realize it actually comes down to the manager. I can train the people all day long, but if the manager isn't strong, if the manager isn't a great coach, if the manager doesn't know what to look for, if the manager doesn't know how to plan their day, their time, their schedule, none of the training falls, right? None of the training actually gets executed on. And so really have been spending a ton of time on manager development. So I'm at winning by design, building out their sales leadership practice. So manager playbooks, management, training, courses, and content. I teach the frontline manager school for Pavilion right now. I'm working on a heavy management course and book. So like, that's what I'm doing now because, you know, it's about retrospective and we'll probably get more into this. Like I look back and go, without strong frontline managers nothing matters because like one manager impacts 15 to 20 people potentially their team and another team next to them and if they're not strong nothing matters so that's really where i've been focusing the most right now and trying to make a difference there
0: so i love that i mean the the reality is most especially saas cuz you're focused on saas right now most most high growth saas companies um they're growing so fast there's you know you go from you're a salesperson to a sales leader and then in between you got these salespeople to sales managers but there's really no leadership a lot of times uh or experience in leadership and um and now with a lot of the um there's a there's at least about a decade of of experience right if we really think about the growth from um you know the late 2010s uh, or, or early, sorry, 2010ish to 2020. That the 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 rise of predictable revenue, the rise of sales tech and mart uh, tech, working with sales tech, uh, data at our fingertips, things like that. There's been a a lot of evolution, but but from a leadership perspective, there's not a tremendous amount of experience, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, when you look back at what happened and maybe how you got there, uh, what are some of the things that as you think through it, like when you when you were going through the process, this is this is me, this is KD, this is how it's done, versus not, not just the management side of things, but you know, was I just way off or was it right, or why did I think this way? Is there, is there something that comes up top of mind to you around that progression? Um, just curious, curious to hear how you think about the rise of technology, the rise, you know, the rise of, you know, email from phone. I mean, dude, ten years ago, I, I was talking about this the other day. Ten years ago, in a database, you would find records, and everyone would have a phone number. You wouldn't find a lot of emails. Now you flip it, and it's the opposite, right? Everyone has emails, and there's no phone numbers. Like that's crazy to me in, in like this ten-year mm-hmm. span. Uh, things like that. Like, is there anything that surprises you? Things that are different.
1: I'm so so funny. Um, I've referenced this a lot, and it definitely drives um, how I think about things as a leader, both in in life and in in business. So, like um, Jeff Bezos gave an interview a while back. Now I need to go get the recording and like tag it onto my LinkedIn. because I reference this a lot. Um, and the interview interviewer asked a question along the lines of like how how do you stay so innovative? Like, how do you seem to stay ahead of like the curve or like, you know, whatever else? And his answer was very, very interesting and unique. He said, well, when I look at innovation, I actually look at what's not going to change versus what is going to change. And that's where I innovate. So many people try to innovate on like trying to predict what's going to change. That's hard because you don't know what the change is actually going to be versus he's like, what's not going to change? He's like, are customers ever going to want to pay more? No. Are customers ever going to want to wait longer to get something? No. Are customers ever going to want to trust what they're buying less? No. And so the point he was making is like, those are not going to change (laughs) over the next 10, 15, 100 years. So that's where we innovate. Like, how can we innovate on the things that aren't going to change? And so, when I look at like my sales career, my sales teams, I'm like, okay, like what's all these things are going to change? Technology is going to change. The channel we use is going to change. What isn't going to change? Well, we're going to be selling to people for at least the next twenty years. After that, who the hell knows? Right? We'll be selling (laughs) the black. (laughs) It's okay. That's not going to change. We're going to be selling to people. People are going to be doing the selling for at least the next 20 to 30 years. To what extent? Again, we shall see in terms of what technology can or can't do over the next three decades. So that's not going to change. And then you go another layer deeper, like, well, okay, what's not going to change about humans? What's not going to change about us? And there's actually a lot that is not going to change and has not changed in a millennium. And so that's where I started to focus more and more as a leader is less on like management and more about people. What's not going to change about us as humans and how do you learn to leverage that more as a leader and as a seller? So like those are things that I really look at. Like I can't predict what the next tool is going to be. But I can predict it's still going to be used to try to get in touch with the person. And what do I know about that person? That person makes decisions emotionally, not rationally. That person has fears, that person has uncertainties, that person has an ego, that person has prior experiences, that person also has hopes and dreams and desired outcomes. right? Like I know that about that person. So regardless of the tool or the channel, I'm going to need to master those things. And so I think that's definitely been a big philosophy of mine for for a while now. And then a phrase that I used with my uh, managers often, question everything, doubt nothing. Meaning, like I'm constantly questioning, is this the best way to do it? Now it doesn't mean I doubt my decision to do something, right? Once I make a yeah. decision, I'm going to do it, but I'm always asking, is this the best way? Right. Well I was I had dinner last night with my former manager. He's like, dude, like some of the acronyms you gave us are still in my head. I haven't worked with him right for for months now. And he's like, on a constant basis, I'm still asking I I W, I, I, W, I, I, W, right. I I W, Steph, is it working? Hmm. Right. So often we do things, but we never actually pause and go, is it working though? Right. Yeah. So it's like asking those types of questions. So I'll pause there, but like, that's kind of the journey I've been on. And then there's another layer or two, I'm sure we can go deeper through.
0: No. So there's a lot to unpack right there. I, I absolutely love, yeah, you got to get that posted. And I mean, the, the conversation around that alone is so powerful because so many organizations try to innovate and they're looking at the next best thing, but they're, they're not really paying attention to what is not going to change. And, and there's, again, the idea becomes, well, if you can innovate around that, not going to change, that's like a whole mind game right Mm -hmm. there, but makes so much sense. It simplifies everything and you're getting into the things that matter most, the, the friction that we see most often is because of status quo which is right to the heart of where you're getting right we lose mm-hmm. you know half of deals are lost to status quo which is the thing that's not going to change i love that right yeah. <laughs> that's the thing that's not going to change but if you focused on innovating that well then there's 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 a gap as uh, you know mm-hmm. keenan says etc yeah. like that's so big man and it, when it, it
1: makes it easier, it really helps narrow your focus, right? Because even when you think about sales, getting in touch with people, getting in touch with people, use that as a segment. Is that going to get harder or easier over time?
0: It depends on how you look at it. I, I would imagine the, the, the way we use it today would get harder if we think about each channel that we have, but we don't know about the innovation around the future state of engagement, right? So, but it, it's 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 theoretically going to get harder as it's becoming harder. But right. to your point of like, what's not going to change? What's not going to change is there are people who want to be engaged, solicited on new ideas and innovations, and there are people who don't. Like, so that's mm-hmm. the that's the that's the that's the truth. So, regardless of the channel, if I have something of 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 value to somebody, I'm someone who will take that conversation, regardless of where it came from, right? Mm-hmm. That's not going to change, right. but getting me yeah. on my phone versus my email, that, that might change, right?
1: right? The channel might change the premise. It's going to continue to get harder over time to get in touch with people that aren't reaching out to you. I don't see that as a trend that is going to change. And so that helps change my mindset. This is going to continue to get harder, which means I'm going to have to innovate even more in this area to have have an opportunity To maintain, right? And so it's things like that. What's not going to change? And if you can nail that for your industry, for your persona, for the people that you lead, what isn't going to change? And that's where you focus your innovation. It really helps simplify things. But then again, is it actually working? Because, and you know this, man, we're in similar circles. There are people out there preaching shit left and right that have nothing behind it in terms of actually working. It's preference, not proven. Like, oh, Don't say this. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know
0: I've had that. I get I get into that conversation often because you know I'm obviously we're doing this podcast right now, doing a lot of work with Cognizant, and there's a lot of interest of wanting to do that type of thing. Like, hey, what are the what are the things to avoid? It's like I I don't like ever saying avoid this. Uh, do this instead. I'd rather say you know from my experience. Uh, this, is an, this is a way that things can be done. Here's another way, and here's the difference that I've seen. Right? For example, I used to use the Connect and Sell Breakthrough Script. right? Uh, and um, it worked for a while for me and for others. Whether that working was where it could have been or not, it worked. Okay. Then I found Townsend's uh, Art of Calling eBook, and he has a different method, and I tried that. It's more than doubled the the success rate on my approach, right? Uh, I don't want to say don't use the breakthrough script. Use this. I'd rather say, hey, this was my experience, right? And and that type of education and approach and like you said, is it working? It's not that it wasn't working, right? I was getting meetings from cold calling using a certain methodology, a uh, framework, etc. But here's another one, and. Mm-hmm. And well, when I look at the two, which one's working? Well, this other one works better. So I'm going to continue to, I, I'm going to, I'm going to innovate towards that. Right.
1: But and that's it's not about this. They miss the working is be, and reps do this all the time. It'll work once and they think it works, right? Look, I sent out a thousand emails and I booked an E I booked a meeting. It worked. No, no, no. It got you a meeting. It did not work. That was a thousand emails to get one meeting. It's defining what working actually means. And that was something I pressed my managers on all the time. Anytime. And this was, you know, as my team, you know, really grew in terms of management maturity, they got to a point where we challenged each other. Anytime someone made a statement about something working, yeah. It put off yeah. all the bells. I, okay, time out. How do you know? Yeah, I was gonna How, ask. Oh this, no, it's this working. How do you know it's working?
0: Yep, and oh, I was gonna well, ask this I question. See- I was gonna ask this question here because I I'm at this point right now where I I do this a lot in my own life, uh, in conversations, and leadership, and uh, discussions with clients, etc. And I uh, I get to a point where I allow a lack of a definition. It's very subjective to go through. And then what happens now is we're, we're, we're deviating from the truth, the truth that we know, a common truth, right? So this definition, when you say something like working, that in any case, right, it could be working for you, but not for me. You, you said that uh, in the beginning, um, well, in our, our pre-show conversation a little bit around, uh, you know, um, how, how does one thing work for one person but not for another. You have a solution. And, and can you dive a little bit deeper into that? Like what? how do you define working and then how do you get common ground around that uh, where it's more yes. objective, right? It's a, it's a clear black and white definition versus gray area and feelings.
1: Yeah. The, the beauty of that is it's actually on us to define what working means, right? Like if I'm going to use a script, what to me is working, right? Well, if I talk to 10 people, I should get three of them to say yes to the meeting. That's gonna my, that's my definition of working for this process. Or if it's a demo script. Okay, if I run this to the letter and do this, working would mean above 30% close rate, right? Like that's the beauty is we get to find it. Most people never actually define what working even means. That's the beauty is we get to, we can define that, right? But then to the other side of it though, right? Like there, there's always the, the great analogy of like, you know, water, right? So if I pour water, eight ounces of water into this cup, it takes what form? This cup. Now I pour this water out into, I have a jar over here. I pour into that jar. It's still eight ounces of water. It's still water, but it's a different shape. Right? It's no longer the same shape here. And I think that's where, with like people, a script that works well for you, you are a different container. You are oh. a different being Oof, than I. I love am. That. Yeah. We're about to go deep on this, man. Like, people aren't ready for this nonsense, but it's the truth, right? Like, so the being, the container that that scripting went into and came out of is different. Right. And it's so funny, man. I just had this conversation with a company I'm working with, you know, right now around like we're talking scripting. Right. And they're saying like, oh, like, you know, why do we do it this way? I was like, look, there are things that I can do on the phone that you can't yet. And I'm not going to teach you that yet because that's not your state of being. Your level is not there yet. I'm going to start with what I know you can do. And build it right. But people are different. There are things that you can do that I can't. And there are things that I can do that you can't. Because we're different beings, right? And so how it comes goes in and comes out, even our training, right? Who you're being in that moment. Are you being open? Are you being coachable? And this is what's hilarious to me. And this is where we're gonna steer this conversation is so much in sales, so much in sales especially in the hiring, we're hiring and we, we want certain to people to be a certain way. Be confident, be motivated, be disciplined, be empathetic, be a good listener, be resilient, be perseverant. Everything we talk about with sales is who we want our people to be. But then all we ever talk about with them is what we want them to do. mm and that's, that to me is one of my biggest like, I don't know if aha is even the right word. It's just like the biggest gap I see. There's no shortage of what to do out there. Most people don't do it because they're not being disciplined, motivated, confident, resilient, focused. And that's where I think we need to shift more time because I firmly believe if you were being more confident, being more resilient, being more motivated, being more focused your sales are going to go up regardless of the script that you're using because who you're being has changed so that's one of my biggest like i need to figure this out for people
0: so what you're looking back on this i know you're you're going through this retrospective now but where did that click for you i know you're doing some personal work but how how did how do you discover that concept because it is another it's another level of thinking right it's another level of being <laughs> as we talk oh. about this right now but it's so like when it clicks, you're like, holy shit, this excuse my French, uh, you know, we can edit that one out. We it, it, it's clicking, it's clicking, and all of a sudden now you understand who you be is what you create. Uh who you be is what is happening in that moment and forever, uh positive or negative. It, 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 how did that how did that come to
1: So the, like the in your light bulb the light bulb like for me, right? So I look back, right? So I have now led probably close, I'm probably coming up on a thousand reps now in my career. I have led close to 50 managers now in my career. And so the, one of the first exercises that I did, I said, okay, let me look at the people that were most successful on my teams or who are the people that were the most successful. And as I mentioned earlier, I think one of my strengths is pattern recognition, right? So I'm going, okay, what was it? about these individuals that led them to succeed. And what started popping up there was not what they did, but who they were, who they were, right? I look at someone like a Sean Gentry and I go, man, okay. So Sean, what made Sean so successful working with me? And then I get to a David Karch, a Liz Lee, a Jenny Eisenberg, I'm listing these names out. I'm going like, what made them better? And it's like, yes, they did. But they also, funny enough, they all did things a little bit differently. Their do was not consistent. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, but then who, but wow, this is who they were, which then made me go another layer deeper myself and go, have I ever, ever taken someone who wasn't like that and made them successful? And that was actually a big, like, not like slapping the face to myself, but going like, if I'm being honest with myself, I'm only really good at getting people who are a certain way to succeed. But if they weren't motivated, if they weren't coachable, if they weren't humble, if they weren't a hard worker, I actually don't have a lot of success there. hmm And that to me, and this is, this is, this is me. So I I believe I'm a great coach and I focus a lot on the inner work. And I was like, wow. Okay. Well, that changes things a little bit of like, there's a certain type of person that when I find, I definitely do make them more successful than they would have been on their own.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But then there's a big pool of people. They got the same training, the same coaching, the same support, the same goal setting, the same mindset, the same everything that did not That like you remove variables. If everyone was getting the same training, why was this person more successful than this? Mm-hmm. And you start to realize it wasn't me causing that. The training was the same. It was who that person was. That was that was my biggest eye opening. And then it happened to coincide with me working with my own coach. And I'm starting to have similar conversations, and I go, "Okay, there's a pattern here," and then that's what's really triggered me down this path. So I'll pause there, but that was like the big moment for me.
0: And I wanna, I wanna, I wanna dig into it because people are probably like, "What? The, what are you talking about?" It, of course, if they're not that, they can't be successful, right? Uh, we all do this in anything, right? Oh, well, that's they're feeling because they don't have it. They're not, you know, some people call it it's not their personality. Some people say, you know, they weren't meant for that. Right. And so, um, they just don't, they don't, they're not made for it that, you know, and and you're talking about, they're like, that's not who they are. You're not. so what you're saying right now, and if I'm hearing you, you're saying there might be a way to coach somebody, to be someone they're not, even if they're Mm -hmm. not that person. So, if you look back and you go, okay, if I had this right persona, which is the unicorn we're all seeking and looking for, all those things you listed off uh, for a great rep, the things you want them to be doing because that's who they are being, um, they're hard to find. Yet, there's all these other people that are willing to show up in the beginning. They're excited about the opportunity. You're providing all this training, but they can't, they're can't. they not being who you want them to be. Well, mm-hmm. in, in the world we have today, they're not doing the things you want them to do. Instead of saying, "Hey, do these things," you're saying there's a way to make them be the person that does does those things. Like, what? Double dive into that a little bit, and 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 what does that mean? Because I think I think you're probably you know losing maybe some people's like what what what's going on? Their mind's a little bit blown here. Maybe I don't know.
1: So I believe that there can be. It's what I'm trying to figure out. How can I help someone be more confident? How can I help someone be more motivated? How can I help someone be more focused? I do believe that you absolutely, I know for a fact, I am more of those things now than I was 10 years ago. I have developed my being over the past decade of who I am, right? So I know it's possible. I know it can be done. I know I didn't spend nearly enough time trying to do that. And that again, this is coming from me where I I believe in all this inner work. That's why my teams did goal setting twice a year. Twice a year my teams did goal setting, right? Hour and a half, January and July, what are the goals? What are we looking for? Who who do you need to be? What that like we did that work. We did visualization. We did meditation. We did a lot of that inner work. But if I looked at the ratio of sales script training to being coaching, what do you think that ratio is? <laughs> 90-10?
0: Eighty nine, ninety five, ninety nine, ninety five, ninety five, yeah, ninety five,
1: five, yeah. And so again, those are things that make me. If what what if I flipped it? What if I flipped it? What if I spent ninety percent of the time helping people work through their their being that interwork within the doing almost take care of itself right? And so that's, that's what I'm talking about. And there, there are ways, You 100%. There, there are things you can do through coaching. There are things you can do through NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. We don't have enough time to this. Hypnotherapy has changed my life, like absolutely changed my life in terms of that inner talk and that inner being. I'm a big believer in hypnotherapy. Like there's a lot you can do to change that. And so if I'm losing people, I'm not sorry. I don't. I'm not sorry. But I want you to ask yourself, there are things that you know you should be doing right now that you're not. We don't have a doing problem. We have a, an inner problem. We're not, we don't even do what we know we should do most of the time. And that means there's something wrong internally. We're not being this best version of ourselves. And I do. I think we can coach people better on how to do this. I firmly believe it.
0: On how to be this. Not do this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I know you're a busy person and uh, this is a conversation that would probably go much longer if if we um, if we uh, if we wanted to, like on another follow up, like you said, to start this. Maybe we should do this more often. But um, are there a couple of things that you're like right now working on uh, from look, we're talking about the leadership side? you were talking about the management side. Are there things that you are putting together? Um, to to support this type of work?
1: Yeah, for sure. So like my, so I mentioned, like I have a coach, I work with a gentleman, Townsend Wardlaw. shout out Townsend, what's up my dude? Um, So I went through his coaching program and after going through his coaching program, and for those of y'all that don't know Townsend, Townsend was the Ryan and I before Ryan and I. Like he was leading the charge with scripting and thought leading like YouTube videos before anyone was doing YouTube videos in this space. Like Townsend's an OG in this sales game that kind of just disappeared all of a sudden. He's just gone, right? Because he shifted into coaching people. And I went through his program and I mean, it had a massive impact on me and how I was approaching things and how I was living. But then at the same time, I hit him up afterwards, like, yo, salespeople need this. And he goes, it's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking the same thing. So we actually are creating a program called Sales Beings, Right. So, not salesperson, not salesman, saleswoman, sales beings, right? With the whole premise around, you know, how can we change our being to impact sales? So, that's our, we already have our first cohort running right now. We're already starting to get some like testimonials from it, which is great. So, that's definitely a coaching program we're working on. I'm working to build like a course around this as well of like sales leadership, but then also, that, that how do you change the being of your team, right? The individuals that you have there. So I'm, I'm working on it. It's still early, but I, I believe in it and I'm committed to it because one of the questions I ask myself often is, what if I did the complete opposite? Okay, here's what I did.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What if I did the complete opposite? What would happen? What if I did that? Like, all right, I'm making a bunch of calls. What if I made no calls? What would I do there? Oh, I'm sending a ton of emails. What if I sent no emails? What would I do there? Right? Like, and really look at, it. okay, I hire for this type of person. What if I hired for the complete opposite? Right? Like, and you look at the, sometimes you find so much gold in the opposites right? If you did it completely differently, it opens up your ideas. So that's what I'm working on, man. I'm doing the sales being course with Townsend that's off and running. I'm building a sales leadership course. And obviously, you know, I inject this stuff into all the consulting and training I do as well. So that's, that's where I'm at, man.
0: If somebody wanted to learn more about this, you said you you got a live cohort, but it's a group coaching thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. who's a good fit for it? The, an up and coming aspiring leader, a current leader,
1: Somewhere in between. So who, who I think is a good fit for it. And funny enough, Townsend and I have, I think, slightly different views on this, which is also great because we can <laughs> do these things. We can talk about it. I think the program right now is great for sales leaders, manager, director, VP, because if you can change yourself, that's the best way then to help change your people. Right. I believe a lot of this does have to come top top down with that reinforcement right back to what I was talking about at the beginning right if leadership like all right if I'm working with individual reps I can help change their being for sure but then if they're just getting drilled by a manager director and VP every single day that doesn't think that way I feel like it's going to be so much harder versus if I can get managers directors and VPs to think this way that I believe works its way down. So if you are a sales manager, a director, a VP of sales, and you want to have a bigger impact on your team and get more of the things you want done, that's who I actually think is a perfect fit for this because you can get more of what you want done by helping change the being of your team. That's who I think is a perfect fit.
0: I love it. And I mean, that's a big part of what we want to try to get out of these conversations is, you know, what are some of the things that uh, leaders can be doing today and, you know, if people want to learn more about that, reach out to you. You're pretty active on LinkedIn. Is there a good way to get a hold of you?
1: Yeah. So I'd say, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm at the stupid connection limit. Like can't even take any more connections. So you can never do a follow there. I'm actually going to put actually an email on my profile moving forward. Oh. So people have to reach oh. out like, so, dude, my LinkedIn inbox, dude, the worst, like the worst. And like, I don't have a way to manage all that. So I got to figure that out. But follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I have my own podcast, Live Better, Sell Better. I have the Patreon, Inside Sales Excellence. So there's ways to get in touch with me, you know, reach out. I'm happy to be help, happy to be a resource however I can.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, It's always a pleasure connecting with you, man. Uh, I'm excited to follow this journey. Uh, it sounds like you're up to a lot. We got to catch up soon uh uh, offline but uh, thank you so much for blessing us your presence today Uh, who you be is an amazing person i love who you be brother i appreciate you man